Wishing you all a super warm welcome to Connecting with Purpose, where we connect with winners and thought leaders from multiple sectors to provide you with a 360 degree view on purpose. Thank you so much for spending your time with us. Our purpose, to inspire you to unlock your potential and optimize your performance and impact. And I'm super excited and can't think of a better way to do this to introduce our first guest, none other than Kevin Roberts, one of the godfathers of purpose. I've known Kevin for 12 years, and every engagement I've had with Kevin has been inspirational, insightful, and impactful. Kevin's 50-plus year career has had over 30 years as a CEO, including 20 years as the leader of the unstoppable Saatchi and Saatchi, um, a world leader in creative ideas that transforms businesses for good. We'll share more about Kevin's bio in our notes to the episode, in addition to information in his incredible book, 64 Shots, Leadership Leadership in a Crazy World. But for now, I want to hand over to Kevin with my virtual rugby pass through the screen here so that Kevin can tell his own story. So, Kevin, nice, well done. Good technique there, Kevin. Um, Welcome and thank you so much um, for joining us to kick off our first episode of Connecting with Purpose. Uh, It's going to be a lot of fun, Mark. Let me know how I can help. Shoot away. Yeah, this is it. So what I'd like to do is rather than sort of go through your amazing career, as I said, we'll pop that in the in the notes um, to get to the story behind it. And, and one of the ways I like to unpack that with people is thinking about magic moments. Um, what are some magic moments you've had in your career that were kind of pivotal to your own development? And, and what was it about them that made them so special? Yeah, I love the idea of magic moments, you know, and, and frankly, coming on top, I'm going to mention this once, then we'll get rid of it off the top of this pandemic. I think the most important, one of the most important messages we've been given to a lot of leaders and so on is, man, make sure you live the magic moments every day. Get three every day because there's a lot of stuff you can't control. We were not built to be locked up. We were built to be free. Okay, so this has been very challenging for all of us. Make sure, make sure you celebrate those magic moments. You remember them. Every night about seven o'clock, my wife and I, we're in Arizona at the moment and have been for 15 months, right? We get, we get together out in the Sonoran Desert here and we talk about the three magic moments. And I think it's a really important thing. Magic moments for me, number one, getting kicked out of school. It's a magic moment, uh, you know, captain of rugby, captain of cricket. They took my jersey back off me, kicked me <laughs> out at 17 and... Uh, that was a magic moment because it stopped me coasting, stopped me assuming, stopped me taking things for granted and made me think, made me work, made me. I never went to uni deliberately. And uh, it was magic when I thought, wow, nothing's impossible, man. Now it's here we go. This is all up. I'm all in. I'm all up for it. That was a magic moment, you know. Adversity and burning platforms, they can either harm you or they can really uh, inspire you. I I learned from there that whenever something goes wrong, as it inevitably will, if you're pushing yourself to the max, inevitably optimism and hope can turn that round when you marry them with action. Boom. Magic moment for me was when I uh, wrote my first ever personal purpose. 14 years old, I was inspired by an English teacher, Peter Sampson, whose friends, one of my closest friends to this very day, he was so 
brilliant thinker. He inspired me to love language, to love storytelling. And uh, he introduced me to the idea of personal purpose, an inspirational dream. And, you know, he gave us our homework. Come back in one sentence and what's your inspirational dream? Not your goal, not your vision, all that stuff. No. What's your dream? And that was a magic moment for me. Boy, that I could, I had permission to misbehave. I could dream. You didn't have to measure it. It was about reaching for the stars, not counting them. And I've had a personal purpose ever since then. Okay, I've changed it, obviously, and, and, and refined it and learned more. But that was a magic moment. The magic moment was meeting Mary Quant in a pub in London after I played rugby. And, uh, and seeing and, and, and falling in like with her and her mentoring me and offering me a job. And there I was to be the brand manager of Mary Quant. I knew nothing about brands. I knew nothing about managers. I was 19. I knew nothing about fashion, nothing about cosmetics. I'd never been outside of England. And uh, international brand manager for Mary Quant Cosmetics. Because she said, well, you speak French and Spanish and you're fast and you're lively. And we don't know anything about it either. It was a magic moment. And I rocked up next day thinking, this is all nonsense. It's not. It's not going to happen. And there you were. You know, my first three bosses were all women. They were all unbelievably creative. And they all fed me and <laughs> with, with food for the brain, food for the soul, food for the heart. And food, because I didn't have any money either. Magic. Um, and come on, let's just pick up, let's just pick up on a couple of those, Kevin, because yeah. uh, my actually, I was going to ask you a question about your personal purpose. And... Um, when you first discovered it, you've answered that when you were 14. But obviously, it's changed a little bit over the years. Yeah. But what are, what are the some is there is there a component of that um, that's remained consistent as you've maybe applied it differently over the years? Yeah, uh, yes, Mark, there is. I think the thing that's changed all the time is the dream, right? Because you know, at 14, my dream was to be a millionaire because I was poor, as working class. My folks had left. You're familiar with this story in the northwest of England. It's a story of many people, not. And I erroneously thought that he that had the money could make the choices, right? And and that was it. So I, I couldn't wait to get out of school. So when they kicked me out, it was a godsend. And I couldn't wait to try to start to make money. Of course, you know, that money's only important when you don't have any. It's pretty important when you don't have any. But as soon as you got some, you realize, right, this is just a, an outcome. It's not the point, right? So I've changed my dream of four or five times, probably every decade, as I've learned more and done that. What I haven't changed is my spirit. I've changed the way I express it, but not the, the spirit. And my spirit, as I express it today, is never out of the fight. Okay? And it's... Over the years, it's moved from I'm still standing to stand up and fight to nothing is impossible to now over the last two years, no matter how old I am and what's going on in the world around me and the lack of leadership around me and the Muppets that are running countries I'm to, and, and, the, and the amazing social and political and moral issues we're facing, 
I'm just never out of the fight. It, it's like Yogi Berra, you know, the great philosopher. What did he say? It's not over till it's over. And then you go again. <laughs> so, so I've never changed that. Um, my characters fundamentally always been inspirational, creative, provocative, positive. None of that's changed. That's who I've been since I was seven. You know, I've been captain of every team I've ever played for. Never particularly been the best player. I mean, I captained my first game of rugby and I never played rugby. So, but I've been able to inspire others to be the best they can be, right? Not the best I could be. I just had that. Um, and I've always been creative thanks to, I mean, I used to read six books a week from the library, one book a day. Uh, and, and I've loved words and I've loved poetry and I've loved music and I've loved uh, solving problems and I've loved doing new stuff. That hasn't changed. I guess um, I've been driven by the four agreements since I read Don Miguel Ruiz's book in 1995. So that haven't changed for 15 years. You know, always do your best. Don't take things personally. Are so important. Never assume. You know, they're just very, very... Uh, and be impeccable with your word. And be impeccable with your word. Be just a core to me. My focus yeah. has changed. My focus now is make happy choices. That wasn't my focus for many years because I was putting the business first, the family first, doing all that other kinds of stuff that I had to focus on. But now, make happy choices because I've got so many choices and so little time left that I don't want to waste any of my time on stuff that doesn't make me happy because I figure a happy Kevin is enables me to be more productive. Happy bunnies work harder than unhappy bunnies. Yeah, and you know, I've, I've, a couple of people have asked me sort of how younger people, um, you know, early on in their career or still at college, and they haven't necessarily yet worked out their purpose. And it's, no. it's don't sweat the don't sweat the small stuff at that point. To me, um, start with what you enjoy, build on it with what you're good at, embrace your passion, and you'll learn how to apply that, and you'll learn how to have an impact in the world with that as you as you go. And so, as you kind of discovered initially, you discovered your purpose really early. Um, and actually started following it really early as well in a very non-traditional yeah. way. How were you able to empower or inspire or both uh, your employees as you were sort of climbing up the corporate ladder um, to be able to live their purpose? Yeah, I never thought about them as employees or people. And I never felt I was climbing up the corporate ladder because my first job I <laughs> at the age of 19, there was no ladder to climb. You know, she just gave me a brand. Okay, the same thing with Gillette three years later, they came and headhunted me and, and, and gave me more than, and I was a general manager at PNG before I was 32. So I never did any of this climbing kind of stuff. I've really focused on inspiring. For me, it's about really, if you don't know where you're going, all roads will take you there. So everything starts with purpose. My first belief is everything starts with purpose. And, I, and that's never changed. I've always felt, right? I mean, if you go into Pep Guardiola's office, I do a lot of work there with the coaching the coaches at the academy. And you go into Pep's office and on the whiteboard, it's written, first you have to know what to do. Then you have to know how to do it. And we spend a lot of time not doing the what. 
in business. It's execution, execution, tactics, tactics, tactics. Just watch the way Paris Saint-Germain played against us two nights ago. They, they, it was just tactical, whereas City were just patient, absorb. You know, we've got, we're stronger, we're faster, we play in a tougher league, we can handle this pressure, patience, and then come in the second half. Now, how we do that, the how comes second, it's the what that counts. So for me, it's always been about, let's all start with a shared purpose. And telling is not sharing. You've got to share it, right? You can't just put it up in the toilet or on a screen and expect people, uh, okay. Telling them is not it. Let's share that purpose, share who we are, share what we believe, share what we're trying to do, and then we can figure out how to do it tactically any day of the week. So I've found the most important thing is great leaders create great teams. You know that from your sporting career in particular, right? And great leaders and great teams deserve and make each other, right? And, and one of the key things about great leadership is great leaders know how to attract top talent. They know where to find it, steal it. They know how to coach it. And they know how to make that top talent feel like a family and play like a team. And all that starts with shared purpose. And then what you do is play people in position. Despite what the All Blacks do every World Cup, they lose. You do not play a fullback in the centre. You play a fullback at fullback and a centre at centre. And you play a flanker at flanker and a lock at lock. And we don't and we lose. Right? I, I want to pick up on two things there. Um, the first is if everything starts with purpose and, and a shared purpose, um, and maybe the end is sort of sustaining peak performance, what's Perfect. the journey? What's in the middle? Yeah. I think it's a five-step journey, really. For me, it's the five Ps. You start with purpose. You do what I was just talking about then, which is people. you got to get to that early as a startup, and you can't compromise. You can't right compromise. Pe people. Right people in the right positions. Right, right things. plain position, yeah. Mark. Absolutely yeah. right, okay? You cannot compromise. So after people, you then get into practices, that you need to do two things at a world-changing level that other people don't do, right? So, I mean, when the all-black... Manchester City's play their best football when they don't have the ball. They press and smother better than anybody else. Everybody thinks they pass a lot and they have possession. They have a five-second rule at the club where you have to react, regain, recover in five... Uh, react, recover, regain in five seconds. Boom, 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 right? So you've got to do one practice better than anything else. In business, you've got to have a project management system, RASCI. You've got to have a great change program, Blue Ocean. right? So you've got to get those practices embedded. Then from that P, you go into positivity. right? Because you know it's like you've played top-class rugby. When you have a positive environment, a positive with no fear, a, a, an environment of belief, Confidence breeds confidence. Vince Lombardi, you know, winning's a habit. Unfortunately, so is losing, right? So get into that winning habit with confidence, with creativity. And then the final outcome, P, is performance, right? So purpose, people, practices, positivity, performance, and then do what you just say, sustain that, 
to peak performance. Those are the steps. So, so let's just take um, let's let's go back to the sporting field. Uh, Manchester City, the All Blacks. You've you've referenced. I'm more familiar with the All Blacks than I'm Manchester City because I'm not a ramble guy. So uh, we won't get into a detailed discussion on that. But um, there's a lot of uh, work and research and commentary um, around sports as a metaphor for life and sports as a metaphor yeah. for business. Um, and for me, it's been more than the metaphor. It's the principles that I learned from rugby. I was actually able to apply in my personal and professional life and create some opportunities for, for some other people to apply them in, in their lives as well. And for those people that aren't so familiar with rugby, success in rugby is basically about gaining possession, going forward, creating some space with some support, building continuity, um, creating some pressure so that ultimately the competition folds and you get points, which is how you win. Um, so I wanted to use a, a, one metaphor question and then one direct question, Kevin. Um, so the, the metaphoric question is, translating this, this into business, you're on the pitch, um, you've just been past the ball, the defence is pressing up quickly, you're in your own half, you're two points behind with two minutes to go. In a business sense, have you got some experiences where that's been the happen, that's yeah. happened to you, and what did you do to win? I mean, I think the first thing that you do in that great scenario, which the All Blacks have faced on many occasions and have inevitably stood up, um, is we were made for moments like that. You, me. We were made for moments like that. So belief, confidence. And the reason you made is, is the six Ps, right? Proper preparation prevents piss poor performance, right? Proper preparation prevents piss poor performance. So you're prepared. You've been waiting for this. It's great. It's the end of the quarter. You know it's coming in business. You know what the targets are. You know the pressure's going to build. You know the competition's going to build, okay? I've been doing a lot of work with Dan Carter on his personal purpose, and he's written a fantastic personal purpose for his life after rugby. Okay, Dan was the greatest rugby player along with Richard McCaw, Richard McCaw of his generation, I think, right? But after rugby, you start again, right? But Dan talked about moments like that. And it's a moment that you share in business. And he talks about walking towards pressure. And those words are really important in business, right? You have to walk, not run. You have to have, as Grant Fox said to me once, fire in the belly, ice in the mind to be in business. Fire in the belly, ice in the mind, not the other way around. Leaders have got to demonstrate calm, hope. Always against a purpose. We don't do anything that is not on purpose. Then you walk, and you walk which way? You don't, we don't have fight or flight options, okay? Those are instincts, no. We walk towards the pressure. Why? Because we want to control that pressure. We want to not let the pressure come to us where it will develop ahead of steam. We prepare for that pressure. Pressure is a privilege. Stress is really bad, but pressure is a privilege. We walk towards that pressure in business. 
We wrote a book, as you know, 20 years ago called Peak Performance Lessons from the World's Sporting Teams and where we really understood purpose, right? And we looked at the Chicago Bulls during the last dance time. We were in those dressing rooms with Jordan, Pippen, Rodman, Jackson and co. We looked at the All Blacks. We looked at U.S. women's soccer, okay? We looked at the uh, Yankees and we looked at uh, the Braves because they've been around a long time, okay? We looked at Team New Zealand and all these places. I came to the conclusion that business leadership was much more difficult than sports leadership. Sports is easy. You know exactly who the enemy is. Exactly who it is. You know the competition. Paris Saint-Germain know everything about Man City. Man City know everything about Paris Saint-Germain. It's all on tape. We got, we've analyzed, analyzed, analyzed. We have more data in sports than you could remotely. We have more data than Microsoft and Apple have now electronically. Okay, You know exactly when you have to play. It's Saturday, 5 o'clock. There are rules, for God's sake, Mark. We have laws. And you we get to prepare a week for it. We yeah. have a referee. <laughs> it's so easy. Okay? And it's black and white. You win, you lose. And it's immediate. Business. There are no rules. There are no referees. You have no idea who the competition are tomorrow. No idea. They don't have the same data that you got. Business is much more complex. In sport, you have 15 elite athletes. In businesses, uh, you have to have, I think there are three things. You have to have finders, minders, and grinders. You have the same in rugby, actually. Finders, minders, and grinders. And, and those people need, in a business, they need different practices, different motivation. Business is, sports as a metaphor is very powerful, but I'm not sure it engages everyone. You know, not all cultures, for instance, cricket for you, for not for you, but for Americans is kind of difficult. Basketball for India is sort of difficult to understand. Netball, you have to have played, you know, in, in the British Commonwealth. Ice hockey, field hockey, they're two different kind of things so it's a good metaphor but business is has more art and science than sport well and i think the other thing is um you, you know you wrote about in um in 64 shots um leadership in a crazy world which is your your last book um and it's and it's awesome i've really enjoyed enjoyed it and i haven't read the whole thing as you know we talked about this a couple of weeks ago but i pulled out tons of stuff because there are 64 shots and maybe I've read 32 of them. So I'm, I'm halfway there. Um, but one of the things you talk about that, uh, in there is, uh, which is applicable to sports, but also I think to arts and creative pursuits is flow. Um, and, and flow, um, which is a, you know, a, a brilliant concept, not just for happiness, but also just for performance. And it ties very closely to purpose, uh, is you can see it easily in sports and you can see it easily in creative pursuits. How do you, uh, instill a culture that embraces flow in the workplace. It, I think you're, 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 you're really spot on, right? Because you know when you're in flow. You know when your marriage is in flow. You know when you're in flow when you're in the pub. You know when you're in flow when you're playing rugby, right? You, it's when your heart, your brain, and your body are all in effortless sync. 
in advertising, it used to happen every time we pitched a new client because you forget everything else. It's just a single-minded focus. Everybody's together. The passion is high. The stakes are high. The reward is clear. It's it's a X amount of time. It's finite. And the flow, you get into this flow. The trick is to... You know, you can't be in flow 100% of the time. It's impossible. You know, in games, you have to suffer. Man City suffered for 45 minutes against Paris Saint-Germain. You suffer, you soak it up, and then you get into a flow zone. How do you create an environment for flow? I mean, the first thing is you explain to everybody what flow is, and, and you know what that is, right? It's it's everybody hitting peak performance performance simultaneously in pursuit of the inspirational purpose that's what flow is right and you know you're in it because time passes quickly and slowly all at the same time yeah right you just got more time but it's happening faster and you know that right so how do you do it the first thing you do is you explain to people what flow is and you show them what it is and you can do that beautifully right the second thing that you do is that you hire people with flow personalities. People who are decisive, who are courageous, who are progressive. You do not hire cynics, contrarians, people who think they're the smart. I mean, smartest guys in the room, I've never had a lot of joy with them, right? If you're the smartest guy in the room, Mark, you're in the wrong room, right? So, so get it's not that hard. Not that, not that hard for me, Kevin. Yeah, for you, it's uh, for me too, right? Uh, and that's a, and that's a, actually a competitive advantage that we both have, frankly, because we're learning all the time. Because you don't learn very much when you're talking. <laughs> so hire people with flow, flow personalities. Second, make sure you have these practices I talked about, Blue Ocean, where you eliminate, reduce, raise, and create. You stop all the stuff that you should not be doing, all the idiot email trails, the terrible meetings that go on and on and on, the circulation lists, the places to travel you shouldn't be doing, right? Right. So you create a place where all you do is stuff that matters, right? Stuff that matters. You know when to push, when to pull, when to move, when to stay static. So create eliminate 40% of the crap that is the business of doing business through Blue Ocean. The next thing you do is have a project management rescue where everybody knows their job, right? So you don't have confusion. You don't have people who want to know, need to know. You have hard and fast rules. Who's responsible for the project? Who's the approver? Who's going to do the work? The S. Who do you have to consult? Who do you have to inform? Then sprinkle on the positivity. So those five P's I gave you at the beginning, Mark, you know, from purpose through to people, get the right people, through the practices, through the positivity, have those and you've got everything you need to create flow. And then just, we do, we do two questionnaires really on getting, staying in tune and getting the rhythm. And it's like in a band, you know, when does the band flow? So it's when you're all tuned up and you're in tune and when you got the rhythm. 
and and you've and you've said recently, Tom, it's super buccal. It's everything's just moving so fast. It's so crazy. Oh, yeah. There's so many polar opposite things that you're always having to deal with. Um, how does how does purpose play a role day to day in such a crazy world in helping to keep it's the people thing focused on what matters? It's the single thing that makes sense for you. You have purpose on a page, not a vision statement, not all this stuff. Purpose on a page, right? We talk about it all the time with startups, with new people, with businesses, companies. It, it helps you uh, make decisions because if your character's to be uncompromising, there you go. Ergo, ipso facto, you know, I'm compromised on this call, so stop discussing it. This is what we think is the right thing to do. Yes, it, it's not the profitable thing to do. We don't care. We do the right thing when no one's looking because that's what it says here. And it says here, adapt, improvise, overcome. You haven't adapted to the new world. You've not improvised. You want the same solution to a different problem. You're not going to win. Back to purpose. Yeah. It's not something you write and you put down. I use it every day, all day for my decision making in a VUCA world. It creates, yeah. it's a framework. It's freedom within a framework. So the framework is the what and the freedom's the how. But don't discuss the what. The what's right here. Yeah, and I and I suppose the combination of those is why as well. Like, so, so why why does this matter, right? Because um, right. the what's what you're doing is really important because of why it matters, because of the impact it has on people, on right. the environment, or whatever. But how you do it's equally equally important. I mean, I think one of the first things I learned in my professional career was if you don't ask, you don't get. But also how you ask is very important. Absolutely. And it's this kind of kind of a similar similar thing. If you're a leader now, Mark, coming out of this pandemic, you've got to have two things. You've got to be caring and demanding. You've got to be caring about your people because we're all beat up. Right? We've had enough disruption to last us for the next five years. Okay, we're sick of it all, man. We our emotions are raw. We've all got a story and it's all pretty sad. We've all missed things, we've missed people, we've missed events. I mean, imagine if you're living in India today or, or wherever. So we've got to be caring. Yeah, oh, but that's not good enough. We've got to be demanding of ourselves, demanding of our people. We've all got to do more with less. And to be demanding, right, you can't just be brutal because people are, are hurting. So, yes, be demanding in our standards, but be caring in our delivery. Yeah, and it's, a, it's an and, not an or. And yes. it's, it, it's um, you know, I think it's, it's embracing the, those contradictions, which because they're a reality and, and, we, yeah. have to, and we, we have to do that. Just like um, it's not necessarily about balance, which is things on opposite sides. It's about integration right. and how you bring them what together. Is- Mark, you're spot on. Balance is such a useless word. Work-life balance, it's a piece of nonsense because balance implies compromise. The best wines are not very well balanced. The best wines are a brilliant blend. So I think integration is too corporate for me, but it's the right idea, right? 
But I think it's about blend. We've got to blend caring and demanding. We've got to blend our family and our friends with our work. So we've got to put the Cabernet, Cabernet Sauvignon, the Merlot and the Cabernet Franc in a beautiful blend and out pops Chateau Lafitte, Chateau Latour. Not a very balanced, compromised wine. You want to be the best husband you can be. I know you want to be the best father. You wanted to be the best rugby player. Now you want to be the best inspirational leader to people. No compromise, no balance. What you've got to do is eliminate stuff that is useless. Yeah. Blue ocean in your own life, right? So that you you unlevel the playing field so you're not doing the mundane, average nonsense. Yeah, the not-to-do list is as important, if not more. Than the, than the today's. So look at the clutter Kevin, list. You know, look at the clutter yeah. list. Everybody's house, they've got too many books in them, you included, right? You've got too many pictures, too many, too many cups and saucers. Too many, too many toys. Right? Too much too furniture, many too many toys, too many screens. Get rid of all that crap, you know, and focus on what's important that makes you happy. Yeah, no, and that's a, a core part of our work is definitely helping people focus on what matters and Kevin I've loved our chat we've actually got a couple of last questions um uh that one's a little bit out there one's pretty straightforward um but the, the the first one is um if you could imagine an imaginary ideal day for you and pick three purpose-driven heroes for you and it doesn't matter whether they're alive deceased fictional real what would be three characters or three people that you think just uh, are, are just purpose-driven heroes, like they're people that just embody their purpose and um, that you would want to spend a day with, and what would you do with them? Uh, Mary Quant was my, my, my first heroine, and she embodied creativity and nothing is impossible and provocation, and... And, and, and we've stayed friends for 50 years and she came to, she helped launch Love Marks in, in Giorgio Armani's private home in Milan and she set all that up and she spoke about it. Mary to this, even today, I just had lunch with her at Soho House. Her, her mind is, 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 is inspirational in terms of, if you only hang out with people like you, you're sort of missing the point, right? So business heroes, business books, yeah, yada, 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 man. That's kind of mundane, really. So I think uh, Mary is, uh, is for me. Uh, uh, and this idea of don't meet your heroes, that's nonsense, right? I mean, my best experiences of meeting, I've been uh, meeting my heroes. So, so, so she's one. They can be alive or... Or, yeah, or, or, or deceased or even fictional, if you like. Okay, so I would love to have met President Kennedy because when I was a kid, I'm a product of the 60s. I think what he did uh, in terms of facing down Khrushchev and Cuba and in having a dream to put people on the moon, uh, I just, for me, he made politics sexy. He made he made everything sexy. He, he made... The whole idea of uh, leadership uh, become become real to me. So, so I would love to have the chance to, uh, yeah, to have been part 
to have been part of that. And then it's uh, uh, Leonard Cohen, who who I've worshipped again since the 60s. I have all his poetry, all his album. I go to Hydra every year and pay homage to his home. And he, um, I was a, a lousy poet and uh, he was a lousy singer, but he became a, br a brilliant, a brilliant storyteller. So I think Leonard, Mary, President Kennedy, yeah, that, and what would I do with them? I'd ask them questions. <laughs> I'd ask them to tell me stories. Big long list. Yeah. yeah what, a, what a brilliant, what a brilliant day. Yeah, I love what it. What a brilliant day. I love I'm it. I love it. That now. I, All right. No, I love it. So I can do that, right? Yeah, I can do that. Like, you can go onto YouTube. I, I can put that day together, right? Because basically, YouTube, yeah, yeah. You can't I'm ask like, the questions, but you can. No. You can probably try to find some answers to the questions. Yeah, I could get. Yeah. I'm going to do that. That's a very cool thing to think about, Mark. Thank you for that. <laughs> no worries. Well, let, let's bring it back to you. We got um, quick fire questions, uh, which is based on our purpose fused formula, uh, which is just how we simplify purpose for individuals when they're thinking about it. Which is passion plus application plus impact. So the question is. If you were to summarize for you in one word, hold on, passion plus application plus impact. And that equals what? Purpose. Purpose. Okay. So yeah. if you if you were to summarize in one word or up to one sentence for each of those, what's your driving passion? How you are applying it in a word or a sentence and the impact that it has. Uh, on the world, uh, what would those three words or three short sentences be for you? Everything starts with purpose, right? So to do that, I can answer that all three in the same sentence. 100%. Which is my inspirational dream. My inspirational dream is to inspire everyone I touch to be the best they can be. That's my dream. There you go. And that is my passion. I do it through talking, writing, sharing, as I've just shared with you. And the impact I talk to, I do things like this. So there you go. My, my personal purpose to inspire everyone I touch to be the best they can be. Magic. I love it. Um, well, that's a perfect way to end with your purpose statement there, Kevin. Really appreciate it. Um, thank you so much for sharing insights with us today. Um, just the absolutely fantastic, brilliant start to connecting with purpose. Um, and we really appreciate your time. So thank you very much. Thank you. And the best of luck with your absolutely noble venture. Thank you, Kevin. Cheers.